Hey, everybody, welcome back to Crazy Money. I am happy that you're here. I hope the sun is shining in your life, both literally and metaphorically. I've got a great conversation to share with you today with one of my favorite new people from the world of comedy. Her name is Leah Rudick. She's a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, who now lives in Los Angeles, California. And I wanted to have her on because she's got this great angle. She has these thoughts on money that I think are reflective of what goes on in a lot of our lives. But more to the point, she's achieved, well, she's hit a breakout point in her career based on a character she's doing on Instagram and on TikTok that has earned her almost a million followers. The character is a clueless, wealthy woman. And she does these monologues into the camera from the point of view of a clueless, wealthy woman who is accidentally experiencing the joys of the commoners. She talks about her experiences going to Cracker Barrel, going on a carnival cruise, renting a car, or taking the bus. They're hard to explain, so let me just give you a little taste of Wealthy Woman Flies Southwest Airlines. I was feeling a little lonely thinking about flying private for the holidays. After all, there's only so much caviar one person can eat. So I said to my assistant, let's get me a ticket on one of those big planes that comes full of people. What are they called? Greyhounds of the sky? So she booked me a ticket on something called Southwest for $900, practically free. I said, are you sure you booked first class? She said, Southwest doesn't have first class. I said, how socialist of them. I love it already. So you board the plane. It's absolute chaos. There's no seat assignments, just a lot of passive aggressive purses placed on the middle seats. I sat in something called the emergency exit. I love a little danger. And then the sky hostess came on the intercom and did five minutes of stand-up, all about seatbelts. Absolutely delightful. I turned to my seatmate and said, when do they do the hot towels and massage? She laughed and said, in your dreams, which I guess meant they do it while you're sleeping. So I took a little nap and I guess she was right because I woke up to a young child ferociously kicking my seat from behind. I guess child labor is legal in the sky? It wasn't the best massage, but I tipped him 500 and told him I would give him a five-star review on, on Yelp. Then I helped myself to an oxygen mask and had myself a little private party. I love to be high in the sky. As you can see, Leah is very, very funny. She has this great point of view from a character's standpoint, and she's doing it over and over and over again. And because she's doing it, she's achieved a bunch of success in social media. And because she's achieved that success, she's now selling out comedy venues all over the country. Leah began performing improv after graduating from Sarah Lawrence College. She was doing that in New York City. Her work's taken her to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, the New York Sketch Festival, and the Los Angeles Comedy Festival. As an actor, she has appeared on HBO's hit High Maintenance and IFC's Commuters. She is performing, as I said, all over the country. There's links to her Instagram in the show notes. She also has her show dates there, so I know you'll want to check her out. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Leah Rudick. Every podcaster's nightmare when the when the yeah. uh, the recording doesn't take to the SD card. All right, so we're going to start over again. Yay, we're back. <laughs> You're from Cincinnati. You're 39 years old. You went to Sarah Lawrence. <laughs> wow, yeah, this, you really... All right, so you're in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta. For a city winery show tomorrow night. Yes. And it's sold out. It's sold out. It's very exciting. That's great. Yeah, it's been crazy. I. Uh, it's surreal. <laughs> 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 We've already here's okay. This is full disclosure for everyone listening. So, so every podcaster's nightmare is that you speak for an hour and then you look at your device and it's not recording. You realize we the SD card is full. The SD card yeah, was from full, the get go. Corrupt from the get go. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Leah Rudick and I have been speaking for probably 25 minutes. I feel like it was good. It was, it was gold. Good. And it, it was, was spontaneous. There stuff. was some very yeah. good conversation in there. <laughs> and I looked down and the, the recorder is not working. 
And so what's funny is all these cameras are muted. So we'll probably have all these great, like, you know, silent film moments where we're laughing. Definitely. No audio. You should release the silent film version (laughs) of the podcast. Yeah, YouTube loves loves audio less video. Yeah, I think that's the new thing, the new craze. So we're going to talk again and we're going to try to make it fresh. It's going to feel completely organic. It's going to be new. It's going to be like the first time. No information will be covered that was covered in the last one. How are we going to do that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're going to have to think of some different questions. So Leah is here. (laughs) Here's why I wanted to talk to Leah for the podcast. So she and I and her brother Andrew met a few months ago doing comedy one night at the Laughing Skull Lounge. Was that September of last year or something like that? That sounds right. Yeah, something like that. And... In the meantime, Leah's continued to explode on social media. And the reason, besides the fact that I love, as I did with Catherine Blanford sitting right there, her career in the last year has just taken off. She went yeah. from being a local comedian and nanny, and then she's on The Tonight Show and millions and millions of views online. And now she's touring the country, selling out clubs, as are you. Yeah, yeah. So similar kind of trajectory over the last couple of years. But the reason... That one of the main reasons you've taken off in the last year is that you have this character on Instagram and TikTok, yeah. The Wealthy Woman. Yes. Does she have a name? You know, people always ask me that, and I haven't given her a name yet. Mm. And I, I don't know. People keep giving, throwing suggestions at me. <laughs> and I, I don't know why. I feel really like hesitant to, to name her. Mm. And I, I, uh, I don't know if I will or not. Right. I kind of just like that she's just the wealthy woman. She's the wealthy woman. <laughs> and in the series of videos, the wealthy woman finds herself in all these different scenarios. Yes. That wealthy people don't typically don't find themselves. Don't typically find themselves in. And it's just sort of an expression of of what? What's the wealthy woman an expression of? <laughs> I think it's an expression of my deepest desire. <laughs> Which is to be that detached. To be that wealthy that I don't have a frame of reference for <laughs> what a grocery store is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that it, it sort of came from my um, background, just like working for a lot of wealthy people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's also just like, I think that it's very easy for us to like, poke fun at rich people and to make them to uh, paint them like they're shitty. Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt excited about this idea of of an extremely wealthy person who is is not a bad person at all. She is just like, she just doesn't know. She just is like, we all exist in bubbles, right? right? And, yeah. and she just gets to like come out of the bubble and it's delightful what she finds as opposed to like, ugh, like the plebeians, you know, like, (laughs) and I think that people respond to it because I think it's, it's fun to experience these mundane things through the eyes of someone who is just like so excited about them. She has been married many times. So many times. I think 14 is where I'm at now. it depends on the video you watch. (laughs) Yeah. The one time it was six and one time it's 13. It's like taking big jumps. She jumps, (laughs) right. It's not not perfectly temporally linear. (laughs) And she also likes to drink. She likes to drink. She likes to. She's a party girl. Yeah. She. She. Uh, and she likes to also have like flings with like pool boys and sure. You know, just regular people, regular uh, blue collar guys. Right. And maybe girls. Who knows? Right. There we'll you see. go. Yeah. Sure. Well, I who think knows? she's probably the fluid. Can progress. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Now, your your own background, tell me, did you grow up in Cincinnati? What did your folks do for work? Yeah, I uh, grew up in Cincinnati. My my parents, um, my dad's an engineer. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a forensic engineer. He's a structural damage consultant. My parents have a an engineering firm together. So mm-hmm. my dad does the engineering. My mom runs the business side of things. And... It's the two of them, and then my older brother also is an engineer with them. So it's a family, a family business. What did when you were a kid in Cincinnati? What did wealthy look like to you? Who was wealthy that you did you know people, or did you go you drive down the big the houses with the big the yeah, streets with the big was, houses and go like, oh, that's the fancy yeah. Part there was of town. A, it's like the other side of town was like the rich people houses, right. and it was an interesting trajectory for my family because when I was young, there was no money. It was mm-hmm. it was like really just like living, I think, paycheck to paycheck and um, building a business is what, right. I mean, that's what yeah. they were doing. And then, and then their business started doing really well. And it was like, our lives, our lives changed. And there was um, more like disposable income. And it was like, we were, it was like, it wasn't like Beverly Hills wealthy. It was like right. Ohio, Ohio, like <laughs> middle-class wealthy where it was like, okay, we're going, we can go to Olive Garden now. Like, yeah. like it was we would go out to dinner to like, you know, yeah. Olive Garden and Red Lobster. And it was like, we had, you know. But once, when you felt a little bit of financial pain, being able to do normal things oh, feels, yeah. feels like luxury. Totally. You get to be able I mean, to. I have this very specific memory of, of my mom, or maybe it's something that she said to me later that really stuck with me, which is that like when they were struggling like she would go to the store and she would just think, I cannot wait for the time when I can just buy all of the fresh fruit that I want. Yeah. And I think that that's like, it was like, then it got to a point where she did achieve that. And I feel like that is the most like meaningful shift. I mean, I just feel like that, that phrase has sort of like stuck in my head for, for years as like, how nice to just be able to get to a point where you can just buy whatever fresh fruit you want from the grocery store. I think that's the kind of stuff that people underestimate how important that is. Yeah. And and that actually my Substack essay this week is <laughs> is about the best car I ever bought. Yeah. And I've been very fortunate over the last 20 years to drive nice cars, yeah. right? But when I was 24 years old, mm-hmm. I was driving this beat up Honda and it didn't have air conditioning and I lived in Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and it, I didn't know if it was going to start every morning, and I had $4,000 in credit card debt because yeah. I had to keep fixing it. I was making $25,000 a year, yeah. and just getting to the point where I could afford a reliable Saturn yeah. was like game-changing. Yeah. And so like, I think that's the best. The best part of having money is getting to the point where your life isn't chaotic anymore. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm like right in that sweet spot right now where yeah. I'm just like so grateful for like the little things. That like, you know, I'm not in a place where I'm like, okay, I'm buying first class tickets now, right. but I'm in a place where I'm like, I can pay $35 to get the window seat. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> that's exciting for me. But isn't it great that you can enjoy that? You go, oh, this is better. This yeah. is, and I'm going to appreciate that luxury. You have a bit about <laughs> going out with your friends and being able to afford dinners and things like that. Let's yeah. play that bit, Mike. I am broke. Um, you know, you know, I shouldn't say that I'm broke. I'm like, I'm like privileged broke. I'm not going to starve. I'm not going to be homeless, but I am going to get very stressed out chipping in for Emily's birthday dinner at Nobu. This is about being privileged broke. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me more about being privileged broke. Well, I think that I have spent 
my adulthood being privileged broke because mm. I, you know it is it is like truthfully I've been very fortunate in that like I've always I've never had the fear of like not having a roof over my head or not right. or you know or going hungry or or not being able to pay rent because I've had supportive parents who have bailed me out so many times. Um, <laughs> the universe, you just, you ask the universe. <laughs> yes, right? the universe provides <laughs> via daddy's paycheck. <laughs> That's so funny. But you know, it it's, just, you yeah. manifest. You, you, just mani- you manifest it. I know, I know, I know. I mean, the tr- I'm not a trust fund kid. Like, right. you know, my, my parents don't come from generational wealth. They built a business, yeah. you know. But what you talk about in that bit is, you know, adults in New York and LA and a lot of cities, you go out together and sometimes you go to fancy places. A lot of times you go to fancy places, whether it's for brunch or some big Saturday night dinner. Yeah. And some people at that table have no problem paying for whatever. Yeah. And other people are really feeling financial pain. It's so stressful. It's so <laughs> stressful. I mean, it is. And, you know, it's like I went to a very, I went to Sarah Lawrence College, which right. is a, a college that's full of trust fund kids. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my circle was did come from that and didn't have to like think about that kind of stuff. Did you feel less than sometimes at Sarah Lawrence? I don't even think that I was aware of it mm. while I was there. I don't think I was aware of it until <laughs> right. like later. Yeah. Like I, I was so out of my element there that I think I was I was oblivious, oblivious until like later when I was yeah. like, oh my god. Oh, that was like the child of a like right. <laughs> a Roosevelt or whatever. Like, <laughs> right. Right. I was always sort of like I don't want to say reckless with. I mean, maybe reckless is the right word. I really, I was someone who was just like, oh well, you know. I truly always did have the mentality of like it'll be fine, right? And that is product of of privilege for sure mm-hmm. because I wasn't actually afraid that I was not going to have a roof over my head, but it was also just like uh, I don't know. I'm someone who just is like, well, I'm just gonna. I want to have a nice dinner, so mm-hmm. I'll have some debt for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, even if I don't have the money to cover my utility bill. <laughs> so speaking of that, we're going to weave your clips and your character, who we'll get back to in a minute. You talk about you have these monthly discussions with but, your, yeah, with your husband meetings, right? about budget. Mm-hmm. Let's play that clip, Mike. Yeah. So we've been trying to get a, a handle on our finances. Um, so we started doing these weekly budget meetings. Um, wait, no, sorry. I, sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, we started doing these weekly fights. <laughs> where he accuses me of spending too much money on bougie coffee. And I remind him that if he lived a little more in the present, he would realize that credit cards are really just free gift cards. <laughs> Like, we could all die tomorrow, you know? Like, last I checked, death doesn't follow you to heaven. (laughs) Is there something that you spend money on that, something specific that drives your husband bananas? Coffee. Coffee. Bougie coffee. Bougie coffee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What does he buy that drives you bananas? Um, nothing. (laughs) I laugh. (laughs) You're the problem, in other I'm words. I'm the problem. That's I, I'm so, definitely the problem. Wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely... But bougie coffee doesn't... It adds up. It does add up. It adds up. We have literally worked through this mm-hmm. to, like, in therapy, truly. Right, like, right. where now he's come around and he's like, this is you, you obviously, like, need this for mm-hmm. your, like, mental mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and it, like it's a simple pleasure that you derive great joy out of. So he's he's come around, and he's he's come around. He's you come around him. to it. You yeah, fixed him. I, I fixed him, <laughs> and I feel like now he's into bougie coffee too. So is he? Yeah, good. Yeah. Now that things have you spent seventeen years. Mm-hmm. doing the acting and comedy thing, mm-hmm. which is not known for its financial stability. No. You did odd jobs along the way. You mentioned yeah. a couple in the in the earlier session. Yep. Yeah. I um I I mostly waitressed, but I, I worked a lot of assistant jobs. As I said before, I worked uh as a, one of my first jobs out of college was working for a very wealthy couple. Mm-hmm. He was 90, she was 60. They lived on the Upper East Side. That's so hot. I know. So, I know. <laughs> he snagged a younger woman. <laughs> and she was, uh, she was writing a cookbook mm-hmm. with all of these like foods, all of these sort of like packaged foods from the 80s. And she hired all these young women to make the recipes for her and then feed them to her sickly husband and then he would review them. That sounds like a episode of The Blacklist or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That is a very creepy it was setup. Creepy. It was so creepy. Slim, Satisfied and Sexy at 65. Oh, that was the name nice. of the title. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and then we all got fired out of the blue. So who knows what was going on. What a on shock. There. I know. It's better than ending up dead, dead in, a in field. the basement. Right. Yeah. <laughs> dead in a field of uh coleslaw. I don't and, know. And cream of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. That sounds terrible. So you've done, you did all these jobs. Yeah. 15 years. You didn't get into acting and comedy for the money. How's it feel yeah. to be making some good money now based on the traction that you've built it feels, in the social media world? It feels like a relief, like mm. immense relief to just not have to worry about like the first of the month, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and to feel like I can have the little things that I w- want, you know, I can, I can get the coffee without feeling like anxious about it, or like yeah. go out for the dinner without feeling like it's gonna, I'm not gonna be able to cover other stuff. It's immense relief. Mm. It's really like, it feels good and fun. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. That's so cool. It is fun. Do you get those checks after a big weekend and go, nice. I do. I nice. do. Nice. <laughs> nice. Who's got bougie coffee now, <laughs> <Yeah>. buddy? <laughs> no. And you know, he, my husband is, he's, he's thrilled about it too. I bet he is. He's, yeah. He's delighted. I bet. He's, you know, He's carried us for a big, uh, a big portion of, of our relationship. So let's talk about, there's some crazy lady on my phone. <laughs> let's talk about where, okay, so I can't remember which was pre-recording and post-recording. So we talked a little bit about the wealthy woman character yeah. in this conversation. So let's go back and remind, when and where did you start creating characters for social media? Right. I started during the pandemic, uh, sort of the, the tail end of the pandemic, because it was like there was no live shows, right? Mm-hmm. And there were like Zoom comedy shows, which were a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I did more than a few I of did a few too, and it was yeah. just the worst, the worst fucking there's thing not, on there's, earth. There's nothing like telling a joke, talking to your monitor. Talking to your monitor. And hearing nothing. Hearing nothing, but you can see your own face, <laughs> and you just see a sea of faces on the screen. Right expressionless. And you can't tell. (laughs) Just into the abyss. Yeah, it really is. Absolute nightmare. Nothing is worse than that. Nothing is worse than a Zoom comedy show. But But I was- you survived. I I mean, somehow, somehow. (laughs) 
And my brother, Andrew, who is also a comedian, you know, he kept telling me to get on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, TikTok is for babies. Yes. But then I was, then I was like, okay, maybe I'll just see. I'll just test the waters. And uh, I started, I posted like a few stand-up clips and mm -hmm. got like a little bit of traction. And then I was like, okay, I'm hooked. Right. Yeah. But then I, I ran out of stand-up clips. And so <laughs> that's I, what people don't realize. Yeah. Like you, you've been doing stand-up proper for how long? Uh, about seven years. Okay. So, yeah. and you've got an hour, two hours of material? I have an hour that I'm going to be taping next week. Right. And that's the hour that I have built over the past seven <laughs> right. years. And then I will have to start from scratch. So you chop that up, you put it online. <laughs> yeah. Same for me. Yeah. And at a certain point you go, that's pretty much all my bits. That's <laughs> it. That's it. I know. And the social media algorithms require you to feed the beast. They're yes. like, they're like, if you uh, Audrey build, two in the Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. You were selling your soul and you're mm -hmm. feeding it human blood. You have to keep posting if you want to grow. And, or... what, and so what's brilliant is that you found some things that you could do fresh. Yeah. That are consistent, but you could create for them fresh material. Yeah. And I think that that just became really fun for me because mm -hmm. it was it was just like, there was like at that time there was nothing going on and I was, uh, you know, and I have this background in sketch comedy which is a very different skill from stand up. So it was, it like fulfilled this like creative need in me that was just like so fun. And I was just, it was just like throwing shit at a wall because yeah. I also didn't care if it was good because it was TikTok. So it was anonymous. It was like, I wasn't posting it on Instagram yet where all of my friends could see and, and judge, judge in my head, which, you know, <laughs> right, is, the, yeah. is the thing that stops us all from doing anything. 100%. So I was just like, I was just fucking around and making stuff that I liked that I thought was funny and some of it was and some of it absolutely wasn't. Uh, but it didn't matter because it was just like, uh, it was just so nice to to be like consistently creative, to have that like kind of fire lit. I listened to this interview last week with Rick Rubin, yeah, right? Yeah. The prolific music producer. Yeah. And he was saying, and this was about his new book about creativity, which I haven't read, but I have on order. And he was saying that, in the creative process, you should put the audience last. Yeah. And that's counterintuitive because one would think that, well, if you ignore the audience, it's selfish and you won't create anything. But indeed, if you create from in here, mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to please that audience, it's going to be far more authentic and it's not yeah. going to smell of neediness. Totally. Like it often does when you go to a open mic. Yeah. I mean, anytime I've made a video with the like, thought in the back of my head, oh, I'm, this is a video that I think will do well because it's for, like, this is a video that I think other people will like. It, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't work because it's like, it's not authentic. It's not my voice. It's like what I've seen someone else do right. that has worked. And I'm like, oh, let me just try to like do that trick. Yeah. You know? I put up a video of my closer not long ago and, I'm, and it had followed on the heels of, I've got one video that's had over a million views, but that's basically it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so I'm fine. So you get some momentum and you, I'm going to put up my closer video yeah. and it gets like 1,200 <laughs> views and you're like, my closer sucks. What's I know. It's, it's hard on the self esteem when you like post a clip and it doesn't do and well. It's some, and not, this is the thing that drives me a bit. It's some series of zeros and ones. It is an inanimate thing yeah. that you're trying to please. Yeah. And if you think trying to please other human beings is soul killing, yeah. try to configure your life around pleasing a digital entity, an, an algorithm. Right. I know. I know. It's not even real. 
It's not it's real at all. It's just like a robot. So what were some of the other characters you came up with before you found one that has become the main character? Before The Wealthy Woman, I did a love coach character who's like a just like a real freak who just uh, <laughs> just is. gives a love advice. Uh, I don't even want to know where she comes, how she comes to her she, expertise. She comes from deep in the, the bowels of my soul. I don't know. <laughs> There's, I did a few videos as like a, like a road dog stand-up comedian, who like was a terrible, also creepy and disturbing. Who's also creepy and disturbing called the Goose, um, <laughs> which that one didn't do well at all. And I think it almost got me banned from TikTok, actually. Uh, <laughs> because you were offending a whole category of human beings yeah. known as road dog comedians. Right, 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 yeah. Well, I was, you know, I think that they they were like, oh, you're just spewing hate speech. And it's like, well, it's a parody. Like, I'm, this guy is, this is how they are, yeah, yeah. you know. This but person exists. The algorithm doesn't uh, discern. <laughs> right, the algorithm doesn't get satire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't you can't be using certain words. But that one, that one was, it didn't do well. It's... So the wealthy woman won, and I'm, we're just going to go ahead and play a clip because it's a wealthy woman who is clueless about her place in the world. Yes. And you put her in all these different scenarios. My favorite one, one of my favorites, they're all hilarious in their own right, is wealthy woman takes a carnival cruise. So we'll watch that. (laughs) I was crestfallen to learn that some poor souls don't have their own private yachts. But then I discovered there is something that is like a public yacht called a carnival cruise for people who love buffets and hot tub rash. It's sort of like a greyhound bus for the sea. A sail bus, if you will, where pasty Midwesterners put on oversized Hawaiian shirts and eat unlimited ice cream for seven days straight while playing a very fun game called Try Not to Catch a Norovirus. I had a ball. It was sort of like make-believe jail, where you're trapped in these like tiny rooms and you wait in line for terrible food covered in flies. And if you break into the captain's quarters after drinking nine daiquiris and flashing everyone in the middle of your karaoke song, I like big boats and I cannot lie, you will be escorted by a boat cop named Derek with very fun wraparound Oakley sunglasses to a place called the Brig and permanently banned from carnival cruises forevermore. Fun! Did you have to buy the pearls? Or did you have those? I had them. They were a, they were a gift from my mom for like a high school graduation or something. And I've never worn them. I've never worn the pearls because like who wears pearls? This woman. This woman And does. then it's like, oh my God, thank you, mom, for this gift from like 20 years ago. I finally understand what their use is now. Okay. So how long does it take for the wealthy woman to catch on? Uh, not long. It kind of, it caught on in phases. It was like, I put out a f- like several videos over the course of a couple months. A, f- a couple of them went viral. I think it was like the wealthy woman rides a bus. That was like the first really viral one that, yeah. that like got like 3 million views. And then it was another couple months. And then there was another set of videos that then went viral again. That was like the biggest sort of influx of followers, which was the wealthy woman goes to Ohio, where mm-hmm. she goes to the Cracker Barrel. Wealthy woman goes to Tennessee. I started doing uh, different city, different like locations, mm-hmm. different as opposed to like brick and mortar stores. I started doing like different cities, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was like the biggest, the biggest push, the biggest. And what feedback are people giving you? It's mostly positive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be trolls, but it's TikTok is really special <laughs> in that they, you know, the videos are so tailored. The algorithm is so sharp that 
it really the videos really only go out to people who I like want to see that kind of content. Yeah. So the comments are overwhelmingly positive. It's not like YouTube where which is just like full in my experience it's just mm-hmm. like filled with trolls yeah. who are just like women aren't funny like you know uh that's exactly what Catherine Blanford said yeah yeah that's it's all it is it's it's crazy like the it's crazy it's just like it's all just children and incels (laughs) that's redundant it it is right (laughs) so are people taking you seriously does anybody think you're real with that character some people in the comments are like, is this, I don't understand if this, is this person real? Like right. they, they don't get sad. Some people are dumb. Yeah. yeah. Some yeah. people are dumb. Some people are a dumb. A lot of people are dumb. A lot of people are dumb. If the internet has proven anything. <laughs> that is, exactly. that is the takeaway. a lot of dumbness to from the, the internet. Yeah. People <laughs> right. are dumb. It's like how milk settles into layers. So you can just kind of. Cut, yeah, cut the dumb exactly. People off yeah. On, go to YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah. We should yeah. do that as a society. Just. Yeah, skim them off. Skim yeah, it just off. just drop them we into the ocean. I don't guy. know. Which one are you most proud of? Which is your favorite wealthy woman video? I really love the Ohio one. Yeah, the, it's like she goes to the Cracker Barrel in mm-hmm. Ohio, and I think that's just because it really speaks to my own upbringing yeah. of spending a lot of time in in Cracker Barrels. Sure, growing up, has she gone to Skyline Chili? She has. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's another one that I yeah. feel good about. Skyline's yeah. pretty. That's a, that's a Cincinnati institution. <laughs> yeah. Early in my career, I called on Procter and Gamble, and so I I, oh. I learned a lot about Cincinnati and Skyline yeah. Chili. Did you spend time there? Sometime. Yeah. My brother lives in Hyde Park. So, oh, oh, I think I knew that. Yeah. That's where my brother lives too. Not Andrew, the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. They should be Maybe, friends. I wonder if they know. Does he play golf? <laughs> no. Oh. He's more they won't of a, be friends. Then. Okay. Yeah, no. he's like a snowboarder. Oh, he's, he's cool. Well, he's cooler than my brother. Well, for sure. I don't know about that. So what's next for Leah Rudick? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm touring. I'm shooting my hour special April 8th in LA. Cool. Where? At the El Portal Theater in, in North Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, and then I have this I have this kind of crazy tour schedule for the next at least through the summer and uh I don't know, it's crazy. And when people come out to see you, are they expecting to see the characters? Well, I try to make it clear that my show is stand up and I mm-hmm. think I think I've been able to do that just by like sort of going back and forth between posting character videos and posting stand up clips. Mm-hmm. Um but like the first show that I did back in October that was like it was like the first time that I was like, oh my God, that like I sold out a, a big club. And I Where didn't, was that? this was in um, Columbus, Columbus Funny Bone. Mm-hmm. I didn't do- It's a big room. It's Yeah, it's like a 400 person room. Yeah. Um, and and I didn't do the, the wealthy woman character. Mm-hmm. And at the end, because my brother and I co-headlined it and we did a Q&A and people were just like shouting for it. <laughs> and it- <laughs> You're the wealthy woman. Yeah. We drove from yeah. Kentucky to yeah. see you do the wealthy woman. The wealthy woman goes to Cracker Barrel. And I like I like I had a panic attack on stage really? because I because I was like, oh no, they want me to like I was like, I don't have it. I don't know. I don't I like it's not improv. I write these. I don't have them memorized. Yeah. And it was it was very stressful to me. Yeah. So after that I just started incorporating it into the into the set. I do it at the end. How do you do it? How do you present it? I had been doing it where I would write a specific one for every city, Mm-mm. like a like it's like oh, wealthy woman great. goes to whatever Detroit, you know, uh, St. Oh, Louis. That's, that's that is catnip for local audiences. Yeah, and that worked so well. But then I had to start prepping for my hour special, so I had to figure out how to weave it in, right, 
without it being city specific. And so then it just became like a sort of just a, a new, um, just one about her relationship to her assistant um, mm. that I'm, I'm still like tinkering with. When you start to write, you pick a destination and riff off of that? Yeah, usually I, I pick a destination and, and then I just build on that. And think, what would a clueless person right. think about this experience right. with no other context? Right, right, yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. <laughs> Let me see if I, what else, if I, <laughs> there's your face. <laughs> Finding, have it, because when I post a video, you pick what you want to be the like um, thumbnail. Yeah. And oh, like yeah, just yeah. sliding through, it's like so hard for me to find one where I like am not looking like psychotic. Well, speaking of looking psychotic, will you share the story about people reaching out to you with medical concerns? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh it's it's one of my jokes, but it really like I I started getting people sliding into my DMs asking if I have bulging eye syndrome. <laughs> like doctors, like medical people being like, "Hey, sorry, I don't mean to be uh intrusive, but like you probably should get your thyroid checked because you have bulging eye syndrome." And it happened like four or five times. <laughs> and it scared me, and I went to the doctor and I was like, I literally showed the doctor my DMs <laughs> and she like laughed at me <laughs> and she was like, I don't think that you have, cause this is just the way my face has always been. <laughs> like I didn't develop. How does that feel when somebody, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on having a million followers. You're getting diagnosed over yeah, Instagram. It's terrible. Right. It's terrible. It's, it's, I get like, it's, you might be a narcissist. You're probably, <laughs> it's a very good chance you're obsessed with yourself and you're not anywhere as funny as you think you are, but you get bulging eye syndrome. I get bulging eye syndrome. Um, it was, it's terrible. I mean, it's, and I was scared, but she was like, if you want, I can give you a blood test, but this is not a thing. And I was like, please give me a blood test. Because all of these doctors are saying I have bulging eye syndrome. So I got a blood test and I don't. I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm very happy for your health. <laughs> you said you're recording your special. April 8th. April 8th. Yeah, it in comes like out a week. Uh, I don't know yet. It's uh, Comedy Dynamics is shooting it and mm -hmm. then it'll be shopped around. So hopefully it'll right. land somewhere good. Are there inbound calls for Leah Rudick to do other things? TV, movies, L A little like bit, like, like little by little trickle. I'm hoping that that's like around the corner. What's the dream? What do you, I mean, Touring and selling out shows is great. Yeah. What's the dream? Um, having my own show. Yeah? Yeah. Like a sitcom kind of thing? Yeah. Like an HBO series. Right. Yeah. Isn't that everyone's dream? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, everybody's got different kind of angles on things. Yeah. yeah. No, like a super cool, funny, edgy, smart HBO show? Yeah. Sure. That's the dream. And then you sell out more shows. Exactly. And then you have to write new material. Yeah. And then people scream at you for not doing the old material. I know. I know. Wealthy woman! God, it's crazy. That's funny. Last question. Yeah. Do you feel rich? <laughs> I feel um I feel like I'm on my way to being rich. I feel good. I feel solid right now. Yeah, I feel rich. Thanks for coming to my house. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Chilling this was so fun. Thanks for your patience with the amateur production staff that we oh, have here. Oh, no. I mean, you know, I think it really warmed us up for the for the real thing. For the real thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there run. was some gold in the one that got lost. But We're not going to focus on that. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> Spontaneity is overrated. It, is, it really is. It really is. It's boring. <laughs> All right. Can't wait to see what's next for you. Thanks. You too, Paul. 